Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time again, and we are definitely going to learn to earn today. I am pleased to announce that I have got the private money rock star with us today. She is, Jillian is one of the country's leading experts on Regulation A+. And I know you're probably thinking, Tyler, what the hell is Regulation A? Regulation A is an exemption from registration for public offerings. I'm not going to steal her thunder, though. We're going to talk more about that in this episode. But I want to tell you guys, she's also an author of a highly rated book called The Crowdfunding Myth. You need to get over to Amazon or get over to her website. Make sure you pull the trigger, get a copy of that so you can learn more about raising money. Now, back in uh, 2008 or since 2008, Jillian has submitted multiple registration offering circulars to the Securities and Exchange Commission for approval. That makes her one of the very few attorneys familiar with the law prior to the JOBS Act. And for those of you who don't know what the JOBS Act is, basically it's a law that's intended uh, to encourage funding of small businesses from the United States or in the United States rather by easing many of the securities regulations. And again, I'm going to let her expand on that later in the episode, but this is something that was put into play during the Obama administration. It was supposed to make things easier. That's why we have Jillian here to talk about today how we're going to stay compliant, number one, but how how to market ourselves appropriately and that type of thing. So Jillian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. We've got a lot to talk about today. I got to tell you, uh, the reason why I brought you on the show today is, as you know, I'm very concerned about what goes on with social media and the way people are marketing their business. More importantly, that investors are taking unnecessary risk when it comes to raising capital. And by unnecessary risk, I mean, they're putting themselves out there. And I'm going to be positive and say it's probably just based on ignorance. They're advertising for private money. And today we're going to talk a lot about the different reasons why that's not okay. But let's not take away from the fact, ladies and gentlemen, from a sales perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a building relationships with your investors so they don't strangle you later perspective, you got to do things the right way. The reason why these laws are in place is to protect both you and the potential of the person who's potentially investing in your deal. So with that, Jillian, I'm going to start off with, um, I know you. your book is about, that you wrote is about real estate crowdfunding. And, and one of the questions that I saw on your website, which I think is a really, really good one, is what's the difference between between real estate syndication and real estate crowdfunding? So real estate syndication is really just what you're doing. And then real estate crowdfunding is just a way to accomplish that syndication. So for example, a real estate syndication implies that you're raising money for one deal. And this is as opposed to a fund where you'd be raising money for several deals or notes or whatever it might be. Um, So a fund multiple deals or multiple opportunities, maybe in the same asset class, maybe across multiple asset classes where a syndication is, hey, this is the property, this is what we're buying, this is what your money is going towards. And then the crowdfunding, real estate crowdfunding is a means to an end. So you crowdfund the syndication in the hopes to to raise money for it. So And crowdfunding can come in many different forms, but the implication of crowdfunding means you're going out to the crowd, you're going out and using general solicitation to raise money from multiple investors across uh, across several different forms of general solicitation. All right. And now for those that haven't ever really even tried to raise money, even look down that road, I just kind of want to bring you guys up to speed a little bit. It's There are federal laws and of course, state laws as well. And, and I believe all states, Jillian, correct? And pretty much every state has a, some sort of law regarding raising money, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and correct. They're not, they're very strict on how you can go about doing things. And again, that these laws are in place to protect the consumer. You know, they, they want Absolutely. to make sure. Yeah. 
that mm-hmm. the, the consumer is in good shape. So what a lot of people make, and I see this happening a lot, especially when we talk to new students that are coming aboard and, and they've gone out and made a lot of these mistakes. They haven't necessarily gotten caught, air quotes, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. And more importantly, I kind of want to talk today about some of the things that you've seen recently. And you made a post on Facebook yesterday, the day before, which is what actually spawned this episode is because I wanted to talk more about the the misnomers and the mis... A lot of people are misinformed. You got a lot of people out there that are doing things. Maybe they think it doesn't, the laws don't apply to them. Maybe they, they, they're just too busy. They don't have time to follow all those pesky rules. So I want to talk mm. about your post on... What, what spawned your, fo- your post there on Facebook recently? So it's funny because I have, um, since, since the Jobs Act passed, and the Jobs Act is, you know, the, the crowdfunding, what made crowdfunding legal, essentially, what made it so that you could go out and, and solicit for investors in a public setting. Since that passed, people think that, that now, crowd, because crowdfunding is legal, they can just go out and advertise for investors. And I hear this all the time. Or they um, go out and say, well, I'm doing it differently. And I heard that, you know, if it's a friends and family deal, then I don't have to worry about the rules because rules don't apply if I'm only using friends and family. And and my response to that is, according to the SEC, you have no friends and you have no family. (laughs) So like that, there's no such thing as a friends and family rule um, per se. There is a a substantive pre-existing relationship rule, but that means that you have an intimate knowledge of one's financial ability to invest. So um, if you don't have that relationship with all of your, you know, all 5,000 of your Facebook friends, then you, what you're doing on your Facebook page by asking people to invest is a general solicitation. If it is a general solicitation, then you have to follow the rules thereon. And what I saw on the SEC's website, and I, I kind of ferociously follow the enforcement actions a little, a little too much of the SEC, just to see what's out there and what's happening and what rules they're, they're applying. And a couple days ago, a, a complaint came out or an order came out that was against this young guy, 28 years old, who right. raised $567,000 from 15 investors um, across the country. And he had been advertising the opportunity to invest with him on his website and in in like traditional media. Like, I guess he had done some interviews and things like that saying, you know, he was looking for investors and he did end up taking in, um, just accredited investors. And because he didn't take in just accredited investors, uh, he ended up breaking the rules because he didn't have that substantive pre-existing relationship with these people. And he had used he had used general solicitation. And so the SEC came after him. So, so my point in that post was like, look, this guy only raised $500,000 right. and the SEC cared and they cared so much that they, they put a whole action against him. And, and I will tell you right now, those, that's easy pickings for the SEC. That, that's just easy pickings it, that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's kind of like, um, it's funny because I was driving down the road today and a motorcycle cop came out of nowhere and picked, you know, out of a huge line of cars that were speeding one car, right. you know, to pull over because he can't pull them all over, but exactly. he can pull that one car over. Don't be that one car. That's a good analogy. I like that. And I like what you <laughs> said about the fact that easy pickings, you're right, because they, I'm a former police officer and, and I know that if I've got to go, if I'm going to chase after three people 
I'm going to chase the slowest one. That's just how, it <laughs> works, you know, right. if, if you're the little tubby fat guy, I'm taking you down, you know, the marathon, right. sp- the marathon sprinter, he may get a nice stick in the kneecaps, but I'm not going to spend as much effort getting that guy tracked down. And I think I see a lot of this. I see tons of, of these type of posts on Facebook. Do you feel, and I know this is kind of speculation, but it, it, did they come about this by going on Facebook, the SEC, or does it mention that in the report at all? Like how they found out about it? Um, no, you know, the SEC is very quiet about how um, they get their information, but then they, what they end up doing, generally speaking, is they get, you know, tips. And my guess is with this particular person, some, he had a disgruntled investor, and I'm guessing, I'm, I'm truly guessing, I don't want to say that I have any other knowledge sure. other than this. Um, but my guess is that he had a disgruntled investor and the, like, it always starts with a scratch or an itch, right? And so right. the, the SEC starts itching the scratch or scratching the itch rather. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and as they're scratching, they realize, wait a minute, there's more here. There's more here. There's more here. And they subpoena, you know, everything. They subpoena your investor records, your bank records, your, your corporate records, your website records. They go back, you know, and look at your website. They, they look at everything. And then they just put together a case and it's real simple for them. It's like, it's really like shooting fish in the barrel. And I'll tell you, I have been involved in um, things like this before. Uh, I've been involved uh, with clients that have been subpoenaed and they, if you are hiding it, they will find it. Um, they, they know how to turn over rocks really, really well. Um, so the, you know, um, if we've learned anything, uh, from like the whole Trump investigation and right. that whole thing, they, like uh, investigators investigate, that's what they do. Yes. And if try to hide or quote unquote obstruct justice, they will make it even more miserable for you. So, so they will find whatever you're doing. Um, and, and that's what happened with this guy I, is my guess is that he had an, a, a disgruntled investor. And, and I have, I have story after story after story. Um, and it's not just the SEC. So, okay. So the SEC doesn't care about you. You know, who will care about you even more are the state regulators. State regulators have nothing better to do with their time. Oh, then come after yeah. you. Yeah. So you want to be careful. Have you seen examples to where they've been prosecuted by both the state and the Fed? Usually um, one won't disrupt the other. Like a lot of times if, uh, if a state regulator sees that it's going like beyond their scope, like there's people who are affected outside of the state, um, then they'll turn it over to the SEC. But I'll tell you who the SEC works with hand in hand is the FBI. So if you have any criminal, um, criminal intent going on there or criminal action, um, the SEC will introduce your case to their friends at the FBI. So, cause the SEC is an, a civil enforcement, um, arm and the FBI is criminal. And so the SEC, if they feel like you've committed like wire fraud or mail fraud, um, or any kind of securities fraud, that's criminal, they will turn it over to the FBI. Interesting. Now, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on, and this is more information only, and I don't mean to, to segment anybody in the populace, but you got to look at this case. And here's a case you got $567,000, not a mm-hmm. huge amount of money, but I think what makes this worse, what adds insult to injury is that there were 15, it took 15 investors to get to 567. 
What that tells me, when you boil that down, the average investor put out about $37,800, which we know some people put in more, which means some people put in less. So under that logic, let's say you got a $20,000 investor. Well, to the person, the guy or girl that only has 20 grand or 25 grand, maybe that's their their life savings and something goes wrong in an investment and that money's lost, you're going to crush that person. Right. But you got somebody like, I don't know, Bill Gates, Bill Gates probably, I don't know, 25 grand is probably what he uses to start a bonfire in the backyard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Here's the thing, right? So it was 15 investors. We don't, I don't know all the details. It was 15 investors, $567,000. And um, some of them were his friends and family. Right. So these aren't all perfect strangers. Um, there could have been two perfect strangers and the rest were all friends and family. Um, and, you know, maybe his mom and dad gave him 300000 of that 567000 So then you have 14 investors with 267000 Now, I, I'm totally just making up these numbers. Right. But, but you, you get my point. It doesn't, if, if you take, you know, 10 grand from the wrong person, it just, it just doesn't matter how little or how much money it is. You know, um, the well, damage okay. is done. Yeah, exactly. You know, some neighborhoods you might wake up, wake up with broken legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Like right? the mafia movies. Well, and I see a lot of folks there. Like I had one in particular that I saw on Facebook. They were, they were flat out saying right on their Facebook post, I'm offering a 12% interest only. And for that, you get to buy a 10% of this LLC. And, right, and it's recorded in second position, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, that we're just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are we that's actually buying? Interesting, good word for it, right? <laughs> right, but it, it's not. It's not considered a security, and then I don't remember what the reasoning was. But it's not considered a security. I'm like, well, you're openly saying that you're selling shares of an LLC. You know, that right. happens to own a property, and and on and on and on. And I'm no attorney, but good gravy. I mean. But what was more shocking is the number of people that were replying to that ad going, yeah, please pick me, pick me, take my money, take my money. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, if you're not willing to do the work to know what the laws are and to have an attorney help you with this very tedious task, I've been down this road before, it's not fun uh, by any means, what could you possibly be doing with your deal structures? That's one of the things I think about in the back end. It's like, okay, here's this kid taking $567,000, hasn't stopped to even check what's going on. He's dealing with primarily investors of, of smaller means, of less means. Therefore, he's dealing with an even significantly, uh, I'll say unsophisticated investor. This spells disaster for me. I mean, I don't know. Did it talk about what the punishment was for this? For, for the, the gentleman who, um, who, was, who sold the $567,000? Correct. Yeah. Let me tell you. Hold on. I can tell you right now. Um, admitting he was ordered to, he was barred from, um, appearing as in, as before the SEC. So I, I, the SEC's order also imposed associational and investment company bars against, and with a three-year right to reapply and ordered him to pay a $25,000, um, penalty. Now, the thing that I want you guys to, um, um, oh wait, nope, wait, that's a different guy. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Totally different guy. Uh, let's see. I want to find the one. 
I can edit that I, I will find it. But nonetheless, um, he, yeah, like usually what these come with are, uh, are you know, some kind of um, fine and then not only a fine, but uh, he, they also come with um, disgorgement of any profits if, or, or any gains. Like I think this particular person, if I recall correctly, and I'll go back and read it. If I recall correctly, this, this particular person didn't make any money. Um, that wasn't the issue. It wasn't that he stole money and misappropriated it. It's that he obtained the money outside of the securities rules. And that's, that's where, that's where the issue was. That's the issue. Um, so, so you don't have to necessarily, now he did lose investor money. I want to be very clear, but I will tell you right now that I have had clients who have come to me who, who were doing it, um, solicitation that was not proper and they were being subpoenaed and investigated by state securities boards and were either fined or, or something without even having to lose money. So it's not about losing the investor's money. Don't, don't put yourself into this false sense of the security that they don't care because you didn't lose any money. These entities are in the business of collecting fines. So again, you don't have to crash your car to get a speeding ticket. And I think that's a great point is that, and that's a lot of people think, well, it's okay because this deal's a sure thing. I'm not going to lose anybody's money. And or worse, they're going to say, nobody will complain. Well, we live in a society, folks. I don't know if you paid attention lately, but everybody complains about everything. I mean, <laughs> that's just the reality of it. I, I You go to a restaurant lately and just the, the abuse that the wait staff has to put up with at a restaurant, it's just, it's unbelievable how people mm-hmm. act these days. So you can imagine the likelihood of somebody filing a complaint or maybe ladies and gentlemen, it's another investor who's jealous that you're out there raising money and they're not, or they have, you, you, right. have, you know, you're doing something, you're taking more action than they are. They right. may, they, they whistleblower. I mean, I imagine that that exists as well going, Hey, here's a screenshot of your Facebook ad SEC. What do you think about this? And Oh, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't say this because I actually don't, like reporting anybody to uh, the securities boards or the SEC. I like, I like, especially if somebody attempted to do the right thing or their ignorance of the law was the only reason why things, you know, aren't correct. But, but I will tell you right now, now more than ever, people are, are encouraged to be whistleblowers. Why? Because the reward for being a whistleblower is awesome. Uh, it's truly awesome. To be a whistleblower is like hitting the lottery. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. If you look on my Facebook page and you, who are, who's out there listening, you're welcome to come follow me on Facebook. I'm maxed out on friends, but you can certainly follow me and most of my posts are public. I have a thing on Duke University um, and Duke University hosted a sham, they hosted a sham research. Thing. Oh, this has nothing to do with but the yeah. rules all the same. Yeah. So, so, but they hosted a sham research type of thing and, and posted this research and it was all government funded. And so somebody blew the whistle on this um, research at Duke and Duke had to pay $111 million. Wow. Yeah. So Duke paid $111 million and the whistleblower received $34 million of that $111 million. The payout is 30%. Yeah. So, and then if you go on the SEC's website, they just paid the highest whistleblower payout of all time. Not too long ago, they paid out $50 million 
Um, yeah, SEC awards $50 million to two whistleblowers. So oh, wow. the SEC has now awarded approximately $376 million to 61 individuals since issuing its first award in 2012. So it pays to be a whistleblower. They can make 10 to 30% of the money collected when the money monetary sanctions exceed $1 million. So yeah, so don't, don't, your friends are not your friends. Like if they can make that kind of money turning you in, they certainly will. Well, you know, it's probably one of the first logical things I think I've heard of the government doing to some degree because it's like they're, <laughs> they're, they're actually sharing it. They're, they're crowdfunding themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, well, right, right. Well, I know it pays to, it pays to be a snitch. Um, so, and, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like with the, but for the because, whistleblowers, when the SEC gathered this money, this, these ill-gotten gains. And, you know, we're talking a lot of money. So it's not like the little guy, like people aren't profiting necessarily off of the little guys. It's in excess of a million dollars. But like, think about it. If you do a syndication and you need $2 million for that syndication and you collect $2 million for that syndication, you collect that money illegally from people in several different states. Well, there's the million dollars right there. And what's to stop somebody from calling the feds on you? And this is... Well, I'm glad you brought that up. That's mind blowing. Now, guys, we're not saying run out and whistleblow everybody in your Facebook feed. That's not. What Please we're don't. Please yeah. don't. I, I would like to think that the SEC has better th- things to do on, you know, real fraud to go after. It's just a, the fact is like you need to watch out for yourself. Exactly. Well, you have to realize that there's there's a financial incentive for people to rat you out. So don't think you're not going to get caught. It's not a question of of if you're going to get caught. It's really a question of uh, when you're going to get caught. I would say. Right. Right. Especially as things start to turn in the economy, people are going to get a little more weird. And that's because that's what happens. Investors, mm-hmm. potential investors are going to be higher, more likely to complain because there's a lot of people out there writing checks with their mouth that their bank can't cash as far as some of these deals. They don't have any experience. They don't have any background. I've actually, Jillian, seen people that are, they're literally making, using, modifying PPM so they don't have to pay for one. For example, you issue me a PPM, I send it to investor Tom and then investor Tom shares it with somebody and that person Photoshop or not Photoshop, but edits it to make it their own. <laughs> so, yeah. so dumb. So dumb. Yeah. Like, listen guys, uh, here's the thing. I, I can appreciate you. The fact you don't want to pay a lawyer. I really can. I don't like paying doctors. If I could do my own appendectomy, I would, but that doesn't make it smart. So, um, you know, like you, I got a PPM the other day, and this is not the first time it's happened. It's actually not even the second time it's happened. I got a PPM the other day that somebody decided to edit, and they edited it using one template in my old work. And okay. it, yeah, and it was it was a debt offering that then turned into an equity offering halfway through because they copied and pasted from several different locations, and none of the terms matched up. So it's really not so. an offering at all. <laughs> No, it's just a mess is what it is. It's a word doc. Um, and I, I told the person who sent it, to, sent it to me, don't, you know, don't put this out anywhere. Like don't let, never let this PPM see the light of day again. Um, and, and that's how I left it. You, you just, and, and, and I'll say this and I'm not going to call out anybody in particular, but also be cautious of using non-attorney services like services. You say they can write you a PPM for less than an attorney, but it's exactly the same. It's not. And, and, and some of those um, entities that write those PPMs, you know, uh, people will often say to me, well, if I go get the PPM written over here, 
and then bring it to you for review, will you review it? And the answer is no, I will not because it will take me longer to fix that mess that you just bought um, than it will for me to just write it from scratch. And I'm not interested in the liability. So be abundantly cautious when you're using a service that doesn't utilize a, a, a securities attorney. Exactly. And, it, and it's, you know, I see a lot of real estate educators, you see this a lot in contracts and contracts and, and different forms regarding the actual transaction. Forget about the, where the money's coming from, but mm. where they'll, they'll download some contract off the internet that was put out in the state of Texas and you're in New York and everything's all convoluted, the whole nine yards. We're getting ready to launch a new course. And I've partnered with my real estate attorney and said, okay, Sean, let's, can you draft all these documents for me? All the folks that are in Florida can use them here in Florida. They're drafted by a, a Florida attorney for real estate. And then you put a disclaimer in there. They actually have to sign off that says, you will take these to your local attorney and, or, and provide them these documents. Now, obviously a PPM is significantly different because this is a massive document a massive mm -hmm. gathering of information. So I can see where you're absolutely right. But for you to go back and, and clean the mess up, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it probably costs twice what it would cost just for you to start from scratch and know exactly what you're working with. Right. That's, that right. said, yeah. you don't, there's not, a lot of people mis, have misconceptions about the whole thing about whether I need a PPM or not. You know, is it, it doesn't cost $50,000 to book time on your calendar to find out exactly, to tell you, number one, educate you. Hey, Jillian, here's what we want to do. We're going right. to buy 123 Anywhere Street. We've got yep. five people that want to invest in it. They live here and here's how much money. What do I need to do? So you, they would then hire you at a, at the, for, a, for a fee for the consultation. And then in the next step would be you would tell them exactly what you plan to do. And then comes the next steps. Because in, correct me if I'm wrong, in not every instance does somebody need to go out and spend thirty to thirty to fifty thousand dollars or twenty five, whatever it ends up being, on a full on PPM because it totally depends on the deal, does it not? Yeah, it, it does. It absolutely depends on the deal. Um, and and just so everybody out there knows, you know, our average client spends about fifteen thousand dollars from soup to nuts for everything that they they need. Um, so and I, and I'm not using that as a you know an advertisement for my no. car service, but. I, I can't tell you how many times I talk to somebody and they say, well, that's going to cost me $25,000. Well, right. did you even bother asking or finding out? Um, so no, it, it doesn't necessarily cost um, $25,000, $30,000, $50,000. As a matter of fact, if you're raising less than a million dollars, we give you a little break there as well. So, so you really, it doesn't hurt to find out. It doesn't hurt. Now, the other thing is too, I don't want you wasting my time. So exactly. be sure you're ready to actually, you know, pull the trigger and go out and start raising money before you book time on my calendar because I give you the first 15 minutes free, but after that you're paying. So um, you, you can go to our website and you can check out what we got going on there and, and I'm happy to, to give you the cost of whatever it is you want to do. So what do you say to the person who's getting started investing? They're taking things to the next level. They want to raise money. Let's say it's under a million dollars. What do they do? How do you, what's the next step for them? The next step would be to, to, to schedule a consultation with us. So, mm -hmm. and, and we have all of our calendars online, so you can um, just go online and, and make yourself a, an appointment. Um, and we'll be happy to chat with you and see exactly what it is you need. And then once we can figure out what it is that you need, we'll send you off a quote. And by the way, you could call me and change your name 
call me today and then change your name and call me again tomorrow, you're gonna get the same quote. It's our prices are the same for everybody. I don't, you know, I don't quote you based on how much I like you. <laughs> Although maybe so, I should. Right. <laughs> I do. Why shouldn't you? <laughs> it's like, God, you're a real jerk. It's going to be this yeah. much. How yeah. For you, it's going to cost you $25 million. That's right. How much, how much for a year coaching, Tyler? About $25 million. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In cash. <laughs> Great way to get rid of people you don't want to work with, right? <laughs> and sign here because there's nothing I can teach you. You clearly already have all the answers, mister. <laughs> right? Uh, so the... You don't always have to have a, a full-on syndication. You're not always having to spend the gobs and gobs of money. It, the real answer is, as with everything else in real estate, it depends, and it's a case-by-case. Case. Right. That said, as the deal sponsor, from your experience, the, the person that's sponsoring the deal or the person that's taking the lead on the deal, so to speak, uh, they are usually the person that reaches out to you. Mm -hmm. And can the deal itself, in other words, Let's say, I, let's say I'm an investor and I, and I don't like every other investor in the world. It seems like I'm broke. I got 10 grand in my name and I want to do a, a, a big deal. I want to do an apartment building mm -hmm. and I come to you. Can the legal fees be made part of the transaction? In other words, is it, is it okay for the investors to participate in the expense of the legal fees or? Well, that's a good question. So, so there's a couple things. One, if, if you, um, if you don't have the money to pay the legal fees up front, then you should probably get a partner who does and, and start off there. Um, and you can, you can raise money from one investor using a note for those, those purposes. Um, will I, will I draft the note for you? Absolutely not. I want nothing to do with that. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I do not want to be putting myself into a position where I'm enriching myself because you can't afford to pay for our services. Right. Um, uh, so, so, but yeah, you can get like an investor pre, like a pre offering investor to help pay for those expenses. And then we always, always, always put those expenses in what is called the use of proceeds in your document. So whether you pay for them or whether an outside investor pays for those legal expenses, we do get them paid back by the other investors. Now, some of my clients will say, look, I don't want those, in, those, those, fees paid back, I would rather just have that in as my, my, um, you know, my skin in the game. Right. So, so some of my investors will say, look, we paid $15,000 for these documents, but we're not getting the money back. That's our capital account balance. Um, so, so you can, you can do it either way. Um, we always put it in there for you. So you do have the option of getting the money back from your investors. And we disclose that to the investors. Like, look, we're paying ourselves back for these expenses. Right. Um, and so, so the short answer is yes. Okay. So at what point does somebody come to you? I decided I haven't found a property yet, yeah. but I know, I know I want to buy one and mm -hmm. I haven't even started to find investors yet. Is it too soon to come to you or how, what does that Probably. look like? Okay. Yeah, it's probably too soon to come to me. Um, and so this is what I would want to encourage you to do is to go to our website, get all the free information you can. Um, I, we have another, I have another website too called Private Money Rockstar. I'd go there, get all the free information you can. Um, and oh, and go to, go to Private Money Rockstar on Facebook and Crowdfunding Lawyers on Facebook too because that's where I do you know, some impromptu videos like the one you saw. Right. Um, that will be helpful in your journey to get educated before you actually start going out and raising money. So to answer the question of when do you want to call me, call me at LOI. Um, okay. So the minute you find that sweet property, 
and you get an LOI on that property that's been accepted, not purchase and sale LOI, then that's when you want to call me and then we get started. And I'm going to answer a question that you haven't asked. The question always is, what if I spend all this money on legal fees and then I don't close on the property? <laughs> yeah. So, so one unique thing that our firm does, I don't think any other firm does this. Um, we will uh, amend your documents for you at no additional charge for a similar what? property if you don't close. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. And look, is, I mean, that's, I don't like taking money from people for useless legal documents. So, the, and I also don't, I want you to have plenty of time to go out and raise the capital. And if you wait till purchase and sale, you're going to run out of time. So, so I want you to call me at LOI. Right. Now at that point, so what I love about your website and you guys need to get over there, by the way, crowdfundinglawyers.net. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes if you're driving. But uh, you've got the FAQs on there, uh, which is right. really good about crowdfunding and, and that whole thing. And you've got that little flyer that kind of, if this, then that type of thing, it, it breaks it all right. down to at least give you the, a lot of the information that you'd be looking at. It's like, okay, well, how much, how much am I going to raise? What type of investors can I do? All these questions are answered in this, this infographic, which is really cool. I'm just looking at it up on the screen right now, looking at it. So guys, get over there and take advantage of that. That's uh, that's good stuff. Well, geez, Jillian, that was that's pretty awesome. I, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you liked it. This was a fun little interview. Yeah. I I I, uh, I normally don't like talking about all the bad, scary stuff out there, but I think it's important. Well, it is, and nobody wants to talk about it, especially if they've got something for sale, like a course or whatever. You know, everybody misses yeah. all that part. They don't want to talk about the negative stuff because they think all oh, the people get scared and run away. Well, <laughs> a certain number of people do need to be scared and run away. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other side of it is, is that and a lot of folks that listen to this show, and this is why I do this, is a lot of folks that are out there are people that have capital that want to invest. And let's be honest, there's a lot of shiny objects out there today. And yeah, it's no fun when you've got your money sitting in your self-directed IRA or sitting in your 401k or worse, sitting in your bank account just eroding away. And you see all these opportunities, but every it seems like every operator it's different. There's no, there's no synergy, right? And one, one guy's got a Facebook ad and Tyler says, I shouldn't pay attention to those Facebook people because they're not, they're breaking the rules. And, but then the other guy, 10 other people are doing Facebook. So maybe Tyler's wrong or I talked to this attorney, get that. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of noise out there going on right now. But and that's why I thought it was so important to have you on here. Look, I know. I appreciate that. And, and let me, let me just say to that end, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, well-meaning people out there. There really, really are. But if, if, if it sounds like it's not the law, it probably isn't the law. Like I said, friends and family, things like the three touch rule, stuff like that. They're all kind of like, uh, all right. But, but the three touch rule and friends and family rules, those are not real rules. You got to look to the law. The law is what is going to rule the day. And and I'll also say this, it's a confusing world out there. And sometimes the SEC and the states don't even know what's going on. There's, there's new rules. There's new things popping up every day. But um, you always just want to err on the side of, the ca of caution, err on the side of the law. Um, you know, don't try to get too fancy. Um, don't try to find a new, a new thing. Like, because, you know, you and I, Tyler, were talking about this earlier. Criminal masterminds are some of the most brilliant minds in the world. Yes. And uh, trust me when I tell you, you, your your idea to skirt the law has already been vetted by these criminal masterminds a million times, and the SEC can already see you coming. So 
Don't even try. Are you trying to say that fancy wording in the Facebook ads aren't going to, are going to get caught? Yeah, they're going to see right through that. They're going to see right through that. Yeah. I see some Yeah, like ask me how, like, you know, ask me how we did this amazing deal and how you can be involved too. It's just like saying, ask me how you can invest in this. Like, get it. You know what you're doing. Exactly. It's okay. To, it's okay. And so for clarity, it's okay to educate people, but it's Absolutely. not okay to make an offering. No. And, and, and the thing is, the thing we didn't get to is it is sometimes okay to make an offering. You have to be able to fit the rules though. And if you're not fitting the rules at the end of the day, that's where the problem is. So like, so since the jobs act, since the crowdfunding rules became legal, you can go out and crowdfund. You can go out and advertise for investors. But then if you're not taking in the right investors and doing the right things in taking in those investors, that's when you have a problem. So, you know, we have a limited time here on this podcast and, uh, and maybe Tyler, I can have you on my, uh, my little people you should know thing on YouTube and, and we can continue this conversation and you can tell me all the horror stories you've seen up there. Would love to because I've been, saving these, I've been saving these snippets for a while. I show them to my coaching clients. It's like, guys, here's what's going on right now. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> please don't no do kidding. this because the, that, one of those people is going to say, well, Tyler told me to do that. No, no, it wasn't Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> it was, may have been some other, some other ball. Yeah, exactly. Me. <laughs> so honestly, yeah, I, I'm happy to help anybody who needs it. Check out our website. Check out all the Facebook pages and get it. Just information gather now if you're not ready to raise money. I mean, if you are ready to raise money, give me a call. Outstanding. Jillian, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I know you're a busy person and you're out there helping a lot of investors. I appreciate you taking the time. And thanks for making that post, by the way. That was a, that was a game changer and people needed to hear it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. No, my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And, uh, and I look forward to, to working together again soon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. There it is right from the attorney herself, the, the private money rock star. I love that, Jillian Stodian. Guys, you, you gotta, what do I always tell you? If you're going to take things to the next level, that means you got to take action, which means you need to pull over the car. You need to grab your cell phone, get over to crowdfundinglawyers.net, take advantage of the education that's there. There's lots of opportunities available. Uh, her Facebook group as well, the private money rock star, all that good information is there for you to consume it. So why don't you? Lastly, if you haven't joined our Facebook community, we just talked about Jillian's She's got her Facebook community for the Private Money Rockstars. Also, make sure you get over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That will take you right to our Facebook group. We will send her an invite as well uh, to that as we get all the guests on the show that, are, that have been on the show. We bring them over there to Cashflow Guys community. If you have questions, drop them there or go directly to her group and drop them in that group. You can get your questions answered, folks. Have a great day. We'll catch up with you next week. And I appreciate you taking the time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.